And again, my name is John. I'm the campus pastor here. I have the privilege of getting to lead this incredible church as we seek to see zero lives unchanged. It's why we exist. It's what we're about. And as we start a new year, it's always like, well, what do you talk about? Like there's so many different things that you could preach on. And as a pastor, I, I try to listen to God and say, where's he directing us? Where's he leading us? And that's kind of where we started to talk about this idea of simplify, a series that even though it's not spring, there's probably some need for in our lives and in our, in our physical lives as well. Let me describe a scenario for you that may be all too familiar. You wake up to the sound of an alarm, you check some text messages, you check your work email, you get a couple notifications on Facebook and your mind's already racing 100 miles per hour. You haven't even gotten out of bed yet. So then you get out of bed, you step on a Lego, you kick over a dog toy, you make it to the kitchen finally, and there you sit down to have whatever breakfast you have. Maybe you don't have time for breakfast, so you grab a granola bar, and you sit down and you look at all of the mail that you've collected over the week. You're like, I don't even need 95% of this. But you look through it anyway, and your mind just gets more and more cluttered. Your day hasn't even started yet. Then you go into your day, you show up to work, maybe you're in a cubicle, maybe you have your own office, maybe you're on the road, and your mind is going 100 miles an hour. Again, you're getting calls and requests from bosses and, and having to make decisions about money or working on budgets or trying to balance other people's bad budgets and trying to figure out, how do I make all this work? And by that time of five o'clock, as it rolls around, you couldn't be more relieved. And then you take a minute in your car where it's totally quiet. And then you get home and the clutter hits you again and life hits you again and life feels stressful, chaotic, and a little bit crazy. I don't know if that's a familiar scenario for you or if you see yourself in any bits of that story, but there's a need for every single one of us to simplify our lives. There's something God does when we simplify. And for many of us, it's a huge challenge. Like, let's just be honest up front. There's hard obstacles in our way to having a simple life. UCLA recently did a study where they tracked the lives of 32 moms. And these 32 moms, they literally watched all their behavior, all their emotions, and actually tracked like haptics in their day and trying to figure out what's going on. And so one of the areas they kept seeing was every time that moms would have to interact with a bunch of messy toys or trying to organize things, their stress levels went whoop, like straight up. There was cortisol levels raised and they were getting more and more stressed. Every time the moms went into the kitchen and it was a little bit dirty and there's a little many, a little too many dishes left in the sink just from breakfast, they described feelings of anxiety, of depression, just seeing their kitchen sink overflowing with dirty dishes. Skip ahead to the rest of their day. Maybe, and some of the moms, as they studied, actually tried to organize and simplify like their closet or their kid's playroom or their wardrobe and described feeling levels of emotional paralysis by this. All 32, all the exact same emotion. And I think it keys us into something that is true pretty much about all of us, that all of us start our life owning things and too many of us end our life with things owning us. That there's things in our life that we used to have control over. There's possessions in our life that used to bring us a lot of joy. They used to add value to us. And now they've become chaotic and stressful and just downright clutter. They're obstacles to simplifying 
our lives. I've been fascinated to watch our own culture observe this and try to do something about it. Uh, the new Netflix hit show, many of you have probably seen it or watched it, called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Like she's just this awesome little lady who goes through people's houses who we just described and in stressful environments and tries to help them declutter, to simplify. And many of them feel those same feelings those moms felt. Stress, worry, chaos, anxiety. It's like, I don't even know where to start. I've got 2,000 square feet in my house and about 1,500 of it I don't know what to do with. Like it's just there. And so many of us can identify with that feeling, which is why we're exploring the question in this series, what if you, what if I, what if we could find more in less? What if I could find more and less? What if the secret to having a simple life, one that feels much more balanced, much more focused, much more joyful, much more in alignment with what we know God wants for us, what if all it took was a little bit of skill, a little bit of creativity, a little bit of, of diligence to actually find more and less? We talked last week, but Jesus actually has a lot to say about simplifying our lives. You may or may not know that, but we were in Matthew last week and talking about this conversation he has that says, where your treasure is, your, your heart will follow. Your heart will be also. We talked about having transformed heart and transformed habits leads to some real hope that life can be different, that the kind of God that we serve can actually bring us hope in a day-to-day -day basis and make our life a more simple pursuit of that hope. But if you skip ahead a couple chapters in Matthew, I'm gonna invite you right now, if you've got a Bible or a Bible app or something to take notes with to do it, you never know what God may say to you in these few minutes we spend in his word. And so in Matthew 19, I wanna let you in on a conversation. I wanna let you in on a conversation maybe you've overheard before, maybe you're familiar with the scripture, but there's probably some things that you and I have missed when it comes to our stuff in this specific text. We're in Matthew 19, starting in verse 16. Here's the conversation we overhear. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit or get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired, Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, pretty good, like he's doing well so far. All these I have kept, what do I still lack? What am I missing? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete, if you want to be whole, Go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Skip ahead to verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now I read that and I've heard that story before. Many of you probably have heard this story before, but I read that and I'm like, all right, here's the goal. Don't ever get rich. Like don't let Jesus come after you. Like eliminate wealth from your life. Like go stand on the street corner and just go to church and, and try to get rid of everything you have. Ultra simplify. That's what I think of. 
But I think that I missed something in the story. Maybe you missed it too. Look with me in verse, seven, verse 21, and then we're gonna look at verse 17. Verse 21, Jesus answers that question. What do I still lack? What's missing? How do I live up to the full standard of true life? Jesus answers, if you wanna be perfect, which I'm like, who doesn't wanna be perfect, right? It's kind of obvious. Like, who doesn't wanna have a, a complete and whole life? But Jesus is making a distinction saying, not everybody really wants this. There's some people that, that say they want all that Jesus has for them, but their lives, they don't really align with that. They don't really want what Jesus has for them. He says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give them to the poor, and then come follow me. What I have to miss about that is that I, I read that almost like a parent to a child. I don't know if you do but like a disciplining parent to a child. And as a kid, when you get disciplined, you think, oh my goodness, they're condemning me, they hate me, and then you, they give this challenge, you're like, oh man, I don't wanna do that. And I read Jesus' words and I think about that too. I wonder, is this more of a harsh command? Or if you're a parent and you have kids, you know, there's some things you give as a command that are actually a loving challenge. Saying, here's what I want for you. I've got the, the, the outside view of your life and I know that as a parent, as a follower of Jesus, this would make you better. So not just a harsh command, but a loving challenge. And in verse 17, here's the key to all of this conversation. Jesus says, there's only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, keep these commandments. If you wanna enter life, See, Jesus is not out to give you harsh commands. He's not out to just make you mad. He's not out to try to set a standard that you can't ever hit and be arbitrary about life. He wants you to enter life, the most full and true life you could ever experience, the kind of life that only a God who created you can give you. That's the kind of life that Jesus is offering this young man. I'm gonna take a water break. You can take one too. I didn't like naturally lower my voice, but it would be really cool if I talked like this. That's what Florida does to you. Don't go to Florida because you'll get that voice. That was not funny to like 90% of you. That's good. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm secure enough. As we were saying, Jesus wants you to enter life. And that's really the goal of this conversation Jesus has with this young man, saying your riches are not the problem. Right now, they are the problem, but they're not the only problem. This guy had an issue with surrender. It had nothing to do necessarily with the wealth and possessions. We talked last week, and I believe this to my core. Jesus just doesn't want your money. Jesus, the church for that matter, doesn't necessarily want your money. What God wants is your heart. And if the money is keeping you from him having your heart, he's gonna ask for the money. And if there's a relationship keeping you from entering full life, He's gonna ask you to surrender the relationship. If there's a job that's keeping you from all that God wants for you, he's gonna move you out of the job. If there's a, a situation in social media or, or accounts that you have or things that you follow or, or things that you view on your computer that are keeping you from having full life, he's gonna ask to remove those things. He's gonna ask for us to surrender those things because he loves us. He's got the 30,000 foot view on you and he wants what's best for you. And I think many of us, uh, I was reading about this and trying to figure out, are there correlations between giving up stuff and simplifying our possessions and, and actually our brain? And I found some. 
in the anterior cingulate cortex. Can we just say that together and make it sound really, really smart? Here we go. Anterior cingulate cortex. You're all brilliant. I love that. What's funny to me is that the same pain that's associated with a paper cut, think about a paper cut. Oh, it's awful. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Think about that, really fun. Paper cut, hot coffee getting spilled on you. Like, you know, that feeling burning your mouth, which I do all the time because I'm an idiot. Like, I, I want pizza so bad. I just always burn my tongue on pizza. Like that same pain in the anterior cingulate cortex is the same pain that you and I experience when we give up stuff. When we give up an item, when we say, I had this sweater, I don't need it anymore, I'm gonna give it away. It actually detaches, it, it pulls us away. There's pain involved, which is why Apple is so brilliant. When you walk into a store, what do you see? Phones, iPads, and computers. You can touch them all, you can take pictures, you can swipe all over them, you can touch everything about them, you can ask questions. But Apple knows that if you touch it and you interact with it, you are more likely to what? buy the thing. That's why when you go into a dressing room, you're like, game over. I'm going to like it. And if I like it, I'm going to certainly buy it, right? If you don't bring it into the dressing room, you have a way lower chance of actually purchasing the item. It's that same pain. And friends, when we surrender, when we try to simplify our lives, which actually is a surrender move, it can be painful. It can be painful. Can I let you in on a secret? Here's what I think is true. Many of us have not simplified our lives because we haven't surrendered our lives. Many of us are not willing to experience the pain of giving up things. We're talking about stuff. Many of us are not willing to simplify our lives because we haven't truly surrendered our lives yet. And in this conversation Jesus is having with this young man, he is getting to the core of surrender. He's saying, this is the thing. You need to simplify your life. You need to go, sell your possessions, follow me, give to the poor, be generous. But at the core, it was a surrender issue for this guy. There was parts of his life that he had not yet surrendered. Many of us haven't simplified because we haven't surrendered. Surrender is painful. It's not fun. It's not comfortable. When you sign up to follow Jesus, you think it's going to be easy. And then you get into it and you start really following him. You're like, oh, I don't know if I like this as much. Like he's asking for things I wasn't really ready to give yet. He's asking for parts of my life that I don't want to surrender yet. And for me, I wasn't even going to share this, but I think it's pertinent. For me, a couple years ago, that was food for me. Food for me was an area of my life that was totally unsurrendered. And I'd gone way too far off the deep end. Like you all know if you've been around here for a week, I love Chipotle. I love Five Guys. I love Chick-fil-A. I love all the staple foods you need for a healthy, balanced diet, right? I love those things. And so naturally, because I love them, three to five times a week, that's where you'd find me. Like it was just normal for me to eat there. And there was a moment I had actually during kind of a Lent fast uh, three years ago in which God said, are you willing to give up food for me? Like, are you willing to actually surrender your physical body to me? Are you willing to exercise? Are you willing to get enough sleep? Are you willing to prioritize what you're taking into your body? Are you willing to take care of this temple I've given you for a short amount of time? And I have very long. And up until that point, it was a constant no. I'm not willing to surrender that part of my life. For me, it took that, that last 10%. All of us are good with surrendering the first 90 to Jesus. That's pretty easy. If you love Jesus, you will surrender a bulk of your life to him. But there's that last 10%. 
that's gonna really change you and really transform you. And for me, that was food. And I realized I hadn't simplified my life when it came to that because I hadn't really surrendered to him yet. He didn't have every single part of me. Part of this transformation when it came comes to simplicity in my life has been from reading a guy named Richard Foster. He wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline. In the book, he's got a chapter on simplicity. I just wanna read you a little piece that jumped off the page to me and I think it'll help you too. He writes this, we must come to fear the idolatrous state of covetousness because the moment things have priority, radical obedience becomes impossible. Let me say that one more time. We must come to fear the idolatrous state of covetousness because the moment things, stuff, possessions, money, the moment those things have priority, radical obedience becomes impossible. Surrender itself becomes impossible. And I think it's so true. For this guy, this quote lives out what Jesus' conversation with this rich young guy was. He goes back and forth. How do I become good? How do I inherit eternal life? Go and sell your possessions. No, I don't want to do that. Like he just walks away. He goes away sad. He goes away broken because he realizes, man, the money, the wealth, the things that are between me and God, I'm not willing to give up. I haven't surrendered them yet. And surrender, guys, is painful, but it's so worth it. Radical obedience is not going to make you the most liked person at your work, by the way. It's not going to make you the most happy and comfortable parent. It's not going to make you the kindest person to be around, though it will make you more kind. You are going to be a challenge to people when you fully surrender. Your life is going to start to look different than your neighbor's. You're going to spend money different than how other people spend it. You're going to give more, not because you want to feel good about yourself, but because God has given more to you. You're going to surrender and you're going to simplify, not out of obligation or duty, but out of grace and out of a desire to have full life. In this conversation, Jesus lists some of the toughest commandments for our culture to uphold. Our culture murders. Our culture commits adultery. Our culture steals. Our culture gives false testimony. It lies. Our culture wrestles with respecting and honoring our parents. Our culture wrestles with really loving our neighbors as ourselves. But this guy had nailed all of those things. He'd done them right. But he asked, what do I still lack? And Jesus said, you've got to simplify. Go, sell your possessions, follow me. Be generous. So here's what I think in terms of what God would want for us. Knowing our culture, having conversations with so many of you already about this series, here's what I think Jesus would want for us. If we're having the same conversation and we're wondering, okay, if that's true, that many of us haven't simplified because we have not surrendered. How do we turn the corner? How do we change? How do we make some adjustments with the Holy Spirit's help this week? Here's where I think it starts. Many of us need to start decluttering to kickstart surrender. Now, it sounds weird, decluttering. So you're telling me getting rid of stuff is gonna help me surrender more in my life to Jesus? Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. That's exactly what he tells this guy. And for many of us in a culture of more, as houses get bigger, we got more and more storage units for stuff we don't need to impress people we don't really like. We need to learn what it means to declutter and just get rid of some stuff. For some of you, it's the most freeing thing you'll do all year. It's free up margin in your closet, in your wardrobe, in your bank account. It's just to free up some space to declutter. 
to kickstart Shrender. Last week, our challenge was to track spending. And I don't know if you did that or not, but that is hard. It is difficult. It's hard because I traveled last week and I figured out how much money I spend on snacks. I was like, wow, do I really need to tally like the chips? Yeah, I'll tally it. What about the pretzel? What about the peanut butter filled pretzel? Okay, I'll track those. Like I went through this list and found as I was traveling between like a jacket and a few other things and snacks, I spent $112. Now I wanna be a more generous person. Anybody else wanna be a more generous person? Yeah, pretty much all of us would like that to be said about us when we die. Like they were a generous person. Now what's holding me back from that may be my spending habits, but it also could be my stuff. And so this week, the challenge is to declutter your physical space. Maybe that's a closet. Maybe you're tired of being really cold when you start your car. So you should clean out your garage. Like that's actually what it's for. Like maybe you should do that. Maybe it's cleaning out the garage. Maybe for you, it's your digital space. Maybe your phone to you is just a flurry of notifications and emails and apps and pictures. And it just feels jammed up. It says, cannot take any more photos. That should be a sign to you. Like maybe you should work with it a little bit. Maybe just simplify your phone, not get a bigger phone. Like maybe that's the key. I'm looking at you, Lindsay. Maybe that's the key. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe that's the key is like surrendering that and simplifying that down. She said I could say that, I think. Right? Cool. We'll talk later. Uh, we're married, by the way, in case you're wondering. Um, we're good. We're going to go home together. So, but I think for many of us, it, it just comes down to decluttering some of that digital space. Some of you walk into work overwhelmed before you start because your desktop and your office space is disorganized and feels like a mess and you're not really sure. And you're like, what does that have to do with following Jesus? Again, it could just be as simple as a surrender issue. For me, that's what I thought about food. It's like, Jesus doesn't care about what food I put in my body. I'm gonna die anyway. Like, YOLO, you only live once. Like, just eat whatever you want. But then I thought about the impact that could have on my life long term and the surrender that that was not happening in my life. Then I had to give it up. I had to make some changes. And for many of you, it could just start in that digital or the physical space of saying, I'm gonna pare down, I'm gonna simplify. I had a friend, Meg, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, and she shared this journey with me. She was staring at her closet one day, and she was completely overwhelmed. She realized she had over 200 items just in her closet. She had stuff at her parents' house. She had stuff in her house. She had stuff in storage. It was just a lot of stuff. And clothes and shoes and jackets alone had 200 plus. And she just felt overwhelmed. And she knew that it was a step of surrender to declutter, to simplify, to pare down what she had. She started reading about things called capsule closets, capsule wardrobes, and like having a certain amount of things that you wear all the time. Many of us, and you know this is true, wear 25% of what we, what we have in our closet. There's like certain go-to things, and I know I've got go-to things, right? Things I wear over and over again. So she said, as an act of surrender, I'm going to pare that down. I'm going to narrow it down to 40 things. I'm going to take from 200 plus things down to 40 40 is not a lot. You may think that's a lot. That is not a lot of clothes, of jackets, of boots. We live in Michigan. You need like triple layer stuff, like scarves all over, multiple gloves. Like she had to pare it all down. And what she found is that she was more in alignment with God in that season than she ever has been before. It had nothing to do with like a really spiritual moment on a Sunday morning. 
had nothing to do with the worship song or what a preacher said or, or something that she read in the Bible. It just had to do with decluttering her space, of simplifying her life so that she could hear more clearly from God. And she's lived that life of simplicity over the last year. And it's amazing as you talk to her, just the, the feelings and the joy and, and the grace that God has given her in that. And that may not be your thing. You may not be like, well, John said I gotta do it. So I'm gonna go home and like you're throwing clothes all over and, and you're like, I don't even know what to wear anymore. Like you don't need to take that drastic of a step. But God's desire for you is that you wouldn't live a life owned by things. Is that your things would actually enrich and bring joy and bring glory to God. That he would be honored in your things. That you wouldn't be gripped by materialism. You wouldn't be gripped by what our culture says is important. You wouldn't care what you're wearing. Think about a life like that. Think about a, a reality like that. Paul, and I wanna close just reading something over. I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes right now. We're gonna sing a song in a minute. I just want you to hear this so clearly and focus in on this. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, this is what Paul writes. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You can open your eyes. So you think about that scripture and you think about how much of our world is gripped by things. Maybe your world right now feels gripped by stuff. You got a bigger house and it didn't seem to help. You got a bigger car and there's still stuff in it. Like more storage units, whatever. Your life feels controlled and gripped by things. I just want to give you a little hope today that you can live a life free of that. That as we sang about earlier, God's freedom is not for spiritually elite people. It's not for pastors. It's not for people who haven't done a bad thing in the last week. It's for you. God's freedom and his true and perfect life is for you. It's for you. It's for you. It's for us. And really when you think about it, our mission of seeing zero lives unchanged is not just about a spiritual transaction between you and God. It's like, okay, I sinned, I know I messed up. God, I need you, okay, I'm good. It's about a life that's changed, transformed, morphed into the image of Jesus. That's the kind of life that's out there. It's the kind of life Jesus is offering you today. Over this next couple of minutes, we're gonna sing a song called Give Me Jesus. And the words are so powerful because it's really, really simple. It just says, you can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. That the riches of the world, the fame that, that status can bring you, the, the likes on social media, the bank account stats that you can accrue, it really at the end of the day does not matter. But a life that's surrendered and simple and on trajectory following after Jesus, friends, that's what lasts. That's what matters. That's what bring, will bring you joy. That's what will bring value and goodness and blessing into your life, just like it will mine. So as we sing this, I'm gonna invite you to stay seated and to take some time in reflection. Your week is crazy, just like mine is about to be. My life is about to get crazy and Monday morning hits and, and things are on. 
you have to be on. But what if you took a few moments to be quiet, to reflect, to ask God, what do I need to get rid of? And there's a couple of questions I wanna wrestle with, with you. I wanna throw them on the screen. Maybe you wanna capture these. Uh, you can also go to centergr.com slash simplify and find some of these resources. But there's three questions you can ask when it comes to decluttering some of those spaces. And maybe for you, this is a surrender exercise. Number one, does this thing add value to my life? Does this thing add value? Number two, does this thing help or does it hurt me in following Jesus? Does this thing help or does it hurt me? The third is this, does this thing cultivate stress or peace? Ask those questions. Reflect on those questions as we sing. And then Brendan and the team are gonna invite us to stand and to worship together. But let's take a few minutes, let's reflect, let's be quiet, let's be simple. And let's ask God what he's asking from us today and let's respond.